Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available now. In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. I'm Matt McConkie. I'm a writer, actor, and devoted fan of Sex and the City and And Just Like That. And I've spent so much time and energy fervently defending the show that I couldn't help but wonder, should I do a podcast about this? The answer, of course, is no, but And Just Like Matt is more than a podcast. It's a faith-based community with a shared mission to bring back Samantha full-time. And it's also a call to action. It's a plea because I'm begging you just like me. Come on, you know you want to. And maybe after you give this episode a listen, you will. Hello, everybody. We're going to be talking about, and just like that, season one, episode seven, Sex and the Widow. And so it's very fitting that I am joined today by two of my favorite widows. Of, I'm just kidding. But I start a rumor that your husbands are dead for no reason. Just kidding. They're not widows, but they're very sexy. Actually, both wonderful TV writer producers that I have worked with separately, learned a lot from, very excited to learn from them today. They're going to have a lot of wisdom to bestow. <laughs> My first guest, her credits include Katie Keene, Bojack Horseman, and I worked with her on Bajillion Dollar Properties, Shauna McGarry. Hello. Hi, Maddie. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I may, if I ever refer to her as Marmar, just know, listeners, I'm talking to Shauna. Uh, I think I'll peak as a widow. Can I say That's, that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That tracks. Let's also, at once we get into the conversation, talk about how we think our husbands are going to die. No, I'm what? My second guest, her credits include Shrinking and the Goldbergs, and we worked together on Heather's Annie Mebbin. Thank you for being here. I'm Matt. I'm so excited to be having um, digital brunch with, with you both. Oh, man. I really was it's considering eating because I stress eat, you know, and I was like, would it be obvious if I was eating? Oh, we welcome it. We welcome it all. This is not a professional operation. So live <laughs> your truth. As Annie used to say all the time in the Heather's room, live your truth. That's something that I stole from her. <laughs> Orient us in your respective histories with Sex in the City. Annie, did you were you obsessed with the original? Obsessed. Obsessed. The radical idea that women in their 30s would have would have, have sex with people. Yeah, Remember imagine. that at the time was very radical it's shocking to think now yeah we were like i didn't know that like reproductive systems could still work when you're that old you know yeah and i had my friend amanda came to visit me in boston in college and we said we simply must get the chinatown bus to new york so that we can drink cosmos oh and there you go home. and then you did we did you know what i've experience. I've never, have you ever done any other, like gone to Magnolia Bakery, gone to any of, of the other hot spots? You have. Of course. Of course. I'm, I, I've never been to Chaos. Is that a real place? Wait, remind me what that Chaos is. Chaos was like a club they would go to at the very beginning. Oh, of course. And I thought, that's going to be me. 
<laughs> That's <laughs> I, I remember nothing about the original show, and I'm here <laughs> pretending to be an expert. Um, every time someone's like, "Remember Charlotte?" and I'm like, "Who? Who is that?" <laughs> Shauna, did you watch the original when it was There are a airing? lot of original shows. Um, I don't know if I watched it when it was airing. I feel like I was very loyal to my age bracket. So I was very into Felicity. As like, I went to school in New York City. Mm. And so, you know, I had to closely follow that and have that be my number one tome. But then as I, of course. I think as a senior in college, and I'm not this young, but I think I watched it as a senior in college. With You're friends. pretty young. You're um, it's okay. I'm, you know, 28 and, um, uh, plus 12 and I love it. I really do love it. I don't love it as, um, holy and as, uh, I think sanctimoniously and like reverently as so many of my friends do like, but I appreciate their love of it. And I've, I've seen it at least all the way through, I think like three times. I know I watched a full run through when I was pregnant. And I really, I really loved it anew. Um, and I was very defensive of it for a long time, just by, in principle, um, in writers' rooms, because Matt knows this, and so does Annie. I grew up kind of as a writer in a lot of very ma- male-heavy rooms, and it's such an easy uh, hate for them. Uh, I, I should mm-hmm. specify, like white, straight cis men of a certain right. decade. Uh, to be like, oh, they were so pun heavy and the jokes were so easy and like, um, you know, so I don't know. But it was like Annie said, it was just revolutionary. It's so funny. Um, jokes like every minute in the original. And it really was like the first show where the men were the casual throwaways in every episode. And and that where they didn't have to have character development, really. I mean, they did because they were funny mm-hmm. and they were these bolded things but whatever their problem was like you know um the politician kelly like wanting to be peed on or whatever all those things were but like they got to be just crazy and then get thrown away and it that that's what remained it still is very rare i think in tv shows for that to be the case so i love it yeah it's so true it's like because it's such a it is a show born about women largely that that just denotes unseriousness to so many people just because it is, I don't know, female entertainment. And I would, I mean, I don't know I think the same thing kind of applies to it just like that, but it also has to do with, you know, women who are over 50. Annie, yeah, when you were a young single gal on the town before your now late husband came in, <laughs> he's very much alive. What am I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I talk, um, I, we really should we not go down this road. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen him in 20 minutes, so I hope that's true. Oh, yeah. This is how the world finds out that I murdered him. I mean, you know, if we want to talk anxiety and, like, the pandemic and the writer's strike and everything, a close third in my mind is always how are the loved ones going to die. So let's really go down this. Let's, uh, yeah. (laughs) Did you, Annie, have, did you have dating experiences where that sort of mirrored what you saw on the show? You know, I was... A Los Angeles child bride. Like I got married in my late twenties, which is oh, that's right. Like being having the cradle robbed mm. in any other here, but in any other places, like very average. Um, but I was a slutty teen and slutty college student. I would say so. I had some sort of I say slutty as from an empowered place. Oh, absolutely proud, 
proudly slutty. Um, so I had a lot of dating experiences, but I didn't have that sort of like, I, I sort of admired and was very um, in awe of the sort of like world weary, you know how it is with men that they had, which mm. I did not have. But you're, a, I mean, I guess you would have to identify as a Samantha then, a Samantha who has embraced marriage you know um samantha is the only impression i do of anything it's a mm. one word impression let's hear it Cuck. <laughs> <laughs> but i wow, find i think so now good. it's i'm clearly a charlotte and i <laughs> this has been the and just like that has shown me that i'm a charlotte i maybe always have been a charlotte that was always the road i was going down if you would have called me a charlotte before and just like that i would have slapped you across the face it's so true. It is really, this show is in so many ways, just justice for Charlotte. Justice for Charlotte. The the funniest. Absolutely. I feel. I mean, the they're same. all hilarious, but. You really do have huge panics about whether or not to wear belts. Uh, very high on your waist. <laughs> very small Story pink line. belts. Every day, Annie. <laughs> Another text. This belt. <laughs> <laughs> when she did the monologue about what if her daughter and, uh, Miranda's son got married. That was just turning jokes, like yeah, moment to moment, just so good, so good. Shauna, anyway. how would you characterize your single dating life before Graham? May he rest. <laughs> May he rest. <laughs> I would just, you know, skip Sex in the City and go straight to the Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> call myself a Dorothy and be done with it. Um, but, uh, Rose with the Rose rising. Um, no, I was a very late bloomer. I didn't have sex until I was 24. I didn't have my first kiss until I was 21. Um, and so my sexual awakening, I would say came more when I was like 28 to 30 after I I broke up with my first serious boyfriend who I lost. I hate, you don't lose your virginity. I'm just going to say it right now. You just have sex with somebody. I just don't think we've come up with actual practical terms for women to use about such things, but that's a very archaic way of describing it. Um, but yeah, I definitely dated and went on apps, which is something in this episode that I found quite shocking um, that Carrie's actually on apps. It felt very unsex in the city to me. But um, yeah, and I, I remember being a little like, all right, well, you know, thinking of men that way and kind of putting them in in little funny like categories and writing the the post-date kind of essays in my head. And, um, uh, cause I, I, I literally was, I was doing a lot of storytelling then and stuff. So I would say that was sort of my sex in the city era. And then I, I got married at 32, I think. Um, so then, yeah. And then now I guess I'll have another one since I'm a widow. Um, <laughs> well, if, and just like that has taught us anything, it can actually be a lot of fun to get back mm. out there. So let's talk about the show. I want to hear your overall impressions, but you know, give me those as we go. This episode opens with this great Carly Simon song, and the seasons are changing. Carrie is sitting at her window, typing away at her new book, just like both of you do when you're working on a yeah. script. Mm-hmm. And, and I love her little dainty bite of a sandwich. Yeah. And her I perfect. Know waves that's me yeah that's absolutely it's both of you i am obsessed with sarah tapscott was just on and she was talking about being obsessed with like everything that they ate and the kind of exercise they did and taking that in and being like oh this is what i have to do as like an adult woman in the world 
I sort of did the same thing. I was like, okay, Carrie doesn't work out, but she smokes cigarettes and she walks a lot. So that's a good way. It was like, just, I was taking all of the wrong messages from it. Um, but she also eats sandwiches. <laughs> You're right. As we learned in this sequence, my first question is, do you think, let's start with you, Annie. Do you think in addition to being a you know prolific screenwriter, there's a world in which you have a like raw soul bearing memoir in you? Um, I think <laughs> only if it was like a gossip girl, anonymous one, you're I think never I'm more gonna, of a yeah. gossip girl than a, than a Carrie Bradshaw in that way. I think, I don't know if I could really just call my friends out on their sex lives. <laughs> what about you, Shauna? I mean, you've done a, you've done a one woman show that was raw and soul bearing actually. Yeah. I think I could get there. I remember I dated a guy once during like my sex in the city years. Mm-hmm. That rings a bell. This exact interaction is 50% of my day now. Uh, yeah. And it's going to be the whole podcast, which I'm great with. I dated a guy who's really mad that somebody had sort of, dissed a lot of her boyfriends and talked about them in like a funny way in her memoir. And I remember being like, <laughs> just you wait, Henry Higgins. <laughs> <you wait." laughs> um, uh, so yeah, like one day I'd really love to do that. But I mean, this whole episode is about how like, it's super dark. Right. And I love the moment where the editor pulls up the cover and it's just this like seascape of sadness. Mm. Um, and it's so not Carrie. Um, but yeah, I could have, I could have imagine it. Yeah, after I yeah, killed I my think- husband. <laughs> I <guess. laughs> how I got, how I did it, how I did it, deep dive. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was important for the seasons to change and for a little bit of time to pass so that we could move through some of the earlier grief. I think for the audience, even though I've always said for me in this show, the more grief, the better. I don't know what kind of masochist I am, but I, I love, I love Big's death. I've loved every, I love the funeral. I've loved every bit of the like melancholy that has hung over the series. And this is like the last episode, this episode is when they started kind of like, you know, start to move us out of it. But, and frankly, I miss it. I felt like this episode was meta. It was sort of saying like, hey, this show has been a lot about grieving. And isn't it about funny ways people have sex? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And I will say them vomiting at the end felt like, oh, we're back in sex. And it felt like the, what because season two felt so much like a vintage sex in the city to me yeah and oh, that, that vomit moment felt like the the first little crossing the threshold into that it's such a great i mean the show does like you know intentionally cringeworthy moments so well and i think sometimes it doesn't get enough credit for it especially with this iteration people sometimes think that the show is not aware of the more cringeworthy moments when it's like so clearly intentional but this was one of them, but I am so terrified of vomit. I can't see <laughs> it and I can't, uh, it's, it's hard to talk about right now. That yeah, was actually, comedy vomit is a huge turnoff for me normally. Mm-hmm. And when comedy vomit is done well, it is transcendent. And do you so think this was, well. is this a case where it was done well for you? Yeah. Once she started vomiting after he was vomiting, I found myself laughing and I hate vomit. Mm-hmm. I just can't believe we watched Sarah Jessica Parker vomit. She did it so adorably. I mean, oh, she really did, she did. Like, I wonder what the conversations were on set because it's shot a little oddly. It's like not a profile. It's not head on. It, it, it's like this weird three fourths. I'm sure they covered it, but like it's an odd angle where you hardly see her vomit. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure she was like, I, I am Sarah Jessica Parker. Let's remember that at the end of the day and what, what people a want. From me. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, people want to see a fashion wretch from me. Do y'all remember that episode where Samantha does a like an unfortunate facial laser treatment and she ends up looking real, real red? She's like, oh, my skin. Perfect impression, by the way. Um, well, I have been there because I'm a retinol user. And as I'm sure you know, retinol has its upsides, but it also can cause redness and irritation. So I'm always looking for a skincare routine that's going to help me combat that redness and that irritation and do everything else. And I have finally found it with One Skin. One Skin is here to help you simplify your skincare regimen. One Skin proves you don't need a complicated routine to achieve better skin. Their topical supplements make it easy to help your skin stay younger and healthier without all the extra steps. And One Skin is more than skincare. It's about skin longevity, targeting the root causes of aging to help you look and feel your best at every age. If you get started today, you get 15% off using code LIKEMAT at oneskin.co. That's 15% off at oneskin.co with code LIKEMAT. And after you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Let them know that you heard about them right here on and Just Like Matt. It's time to expect more from your skincare routine. Invest in the health of your skin with One Skin. Hey, question for you. Do you like to eat? Do you like to save money? Do you like flexibility and ease? Well, then I couldn't help but wonder, have you ever heard of Factor? Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They make eating better every day easy. These are two-minute meals, restaurant-quality food. It's ready to heat and eat whenever you are. And right now, if you go to factormeals.com slash likemat50 and use code likemat50, you're going to get 50% off. I'm talking snacks. I'm talking smoothies. I'm talking breakfast, midday bites, and more. And by the way, they've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout. And every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Flexible for your schedule, as much or as little as you need. You can choose six to 18 meals per week. You can pause, reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals, 100% ready to eat and eat. Head over to factormeals.com slash likemat50 and use code likemat50 to get 50% off. That's code likemat50 at factormeals.com slash likemat50 to get 50% off. Like we can, I'll give you one take and then we're done. And how are you feeling overall about Shauna when the show first appeared on the scene and the internet was a buzz? Where were you emotionally with it? I was nervous. Um, I have not, and this is a big admission, I guess, have not seen the movies because I've been so afraid of seeing the movies. I love the original series very much, and I had heard not great things, and I really didn't want Steve to have an affair. That's what happens, right? And I, I, I couldn't quite handle like the decadence and the opulence that seemed to be like oozing out of the films just seemed a bit counter to like even though it is all fantasy and they're they're on the like you know lower edge of wealthy and they're like going to hot spots and like I never felt the show full like they tried to be relatable and the the movies seemed like this sort of like departure from that and correct me if I'm wrong but so I was a little scared to watch and just like that because I thought oh I'm missing key plot points I guess I have to like break my own rule about the movies and 
And then that, I guess, didn't actually feel true at all <laughs> once I started watching the show. You didn't, I don't know if you guys feel differently, but I didn't feel like I really had to have seen those um, to understand where we were uh, emotionally. I, I was, I was excited for it, but I was like, I was thinking about it. I'm getting dressed this morning. Like I really miss the original theme song. I feel like that set you up for like the romp of the show, you know, and like the comedy of the show and the lightness. And I obviously, and I know Matt, this is the whole point of the podcast, like really miss the anchor of Samantha. Like they are archetypes, right? And so when you don't have that fourth table leg, like the whole thing kind of teeters. And I, they, I think they've done a, a more and more kind of graceful job of filling that that table leg if i'm gonna like continue that stupid metaphor but yeah, now um, it's a table with like seven legs yeah exactly it's a really it's like it's like uh yeah you know when you buy tables and they have random legs in the middle and you really want to i don't have you had this experience where they they actually photoshop out the terrible leg in the middle to keep it all balanced have you had this anyway it's a thing I don't know what you're talking about, but I, I'll take your word on it. I know your relationship to furniture. Sometimes in magazine ads, they'll show a beautiful table and they'll erase the table, the stabilizing tables in the middle, the legs, to, in order to present this wonderful table. And then you get it and you realize, oh, mm, mm-hmm. there's a ta- there's mm. a fifth table leg here. Um. Anyway, all to say... I like the second season quite a bit more and more. I really like this episode has the, I love Carrie Miranda talks as they walk. Yeah. Those are some of my favorite scenes. And so this has one of those, this episode. And yeah, I, I loved like the Miranda episode in season two, where she finally gets to go on like more of just a regular date. I think overall the series is like missing that in a way that I miss, but I hope with season three, I think they're just building track, honestly, to like yeah. get back to this like ground level where they can start having those sorts of kind of one-offs again. Yeah. I'm hoping for season three. I mean, I think I just said this last week, but for like a bit, like big night out at Henrietta Hudson's for Miranda and all the girls are there to support her. Everybody's getting wasted. They don't need to vomit, but they're turning all the way up and just, you know, having some high octane lesbian fun on the town with the newly out Miranda, which are either of you watching a Real Housewives of New York? No, I'm sorry. Oh, see, I have respect to you both even more for it. But I just <laughs> no, bring no, it up because all your listeners just there was a if my table story didn't Jenna Lyon scene it recently where the, that that happened, um, and we were like, oh, they took our idea. That's that's what we need in season three for Miranda. Yeah. But Annie, where how how are you feeling overall about this? Big old missing table leg that is Samantha. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be divisive this early, but um, I never, I never wanted Carrie to end up with big. I don't, I never saw it. Oh, hard agree. Didn't feel right to me. This is okay. So maybe you're with me there, but you might not follow me where I'm going. Okay. I wanted her to be with Aiden so bad. I thought he was breaking down walls that needed to break down. Um, I think she should have quit smoking. (laughs) Sorry. Now you're losing me. Okay. Um, so, uh, the first season, her grief over big, I was like, I, I could never quite tap in because I'm like, I'm glad he's dead. (laughs) This is sort of my underlying (laughs) feeling, but the grief, I transferred all the sadness onto Samantha. 
Yeah. And anytime I'm supposed to be sad that she's upset about this rich guy dying, I was like, she's sad about her friend in London. That's (laughs) the real loss. I actually really wish they had almost, I think they could have even played with it more and I would have been there for it. Female friendships die all the time and they do go through these terrible breakups and we don't talk about it a lot in popular culture and we don't cover it a lot in TV shows and how they really do feel like a divorce and we don't have therapy for best friends who are struggling, you know, but who like my best friend I've been with quote unquote, essentially since we were 17 years old. And we just recently had like a text conversation that was like, it's not like we're not honest with each other, but that we, uh, we're a little more honest with each other about some things that like, it's so hard. And to actually say that the reason they, she's not on it is because they had this friend falling out and it was awkward and it was weird. I really loved that storyline. And obviously they couldn't go there that much because she's not there to play it. But, um, I, that was the more heartbreaking thing to me in the, in the season. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And I think with Samantha gone, Sometimes, should I call them the Fab Four? They felt mm-hmm. scattered to the wind yeah. and having that's my Fab Four. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They felt scattered to the wind having their own friendships with separate people. And it didn't feel as much of that cohesion. Like I really missed the chemistry that they had together. When I know, but like we all collectively, and again, Matt, you have a better sense of all this than. I do, but Che and Miranda and Miranda's journey of her sexuality this season. And there was a lot of, um, I mean, a lot of people didn't really love Che for a season and didn't like think it was treated in Miranda's character that she was having this, you know, midlife sort of um, uh, boat ride <laughs> to like different mm-hmm. ports or whatever. Um, but I rewatching some of these episodes to talk to you, I was like, oh, if Carrie had been on board from Go a little more and wasn't so navel gazy and and so like she called she she uses the widow card a lot in this episode and stuff but she's so unsupport and they the way they set it up it was like how the writers did it by having Miranda have sex in her apartment which is like a really cool story point and I see why that floated and why that got in the script but at the same time I think a lot of goodwill from us as audience members could have been bought by Carrie being a little more excited about the Che element or like excited that Miranda like living vicariously through her a little bit or like any, but it was so like downtrodden from the beginning. I just didn't, we were sort of led to not like it, you know? Yeah. That's a great yeah. I don't know if that anybody was rooting for Miranda and Shay. No, certainly. No, I don't think absolutely. they, I think honestly the actors don't have a whole lot of chemistry unfortunately. Either. Oh, I disagree. I like the, their scenes together. I'm, I always do feel it. I'm like, I I'm, I'm Miranda in this moment. I'm like, Che is hot. Che is doing something for me. You know, Che is very toxic in other ways and, you know, not my favorite comedian, but I buy them together, but yeah, it's certainly not like you don't get the, the the fun brunch talk about that relationship. Well, like the funnest Miranda stuff, like when she was first meeting Steve in the original series, she's the most fun when she's like discerning and doesn't want to like you, you know, and they have her mm-hmm. full like obsessed, obsessed. And it, it's a cool new thing to play for the character. It's just, yeah, they made a lot of big swings with it. So it's like, I think I wasn't even comfortable with that version of Miranda. I wanted her to be more like, who do you think you are? Like, you think you're like, and they kind of do it in the first, when she's first introduced, like how she yells at her and every, 
how she yells at them. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think season three is going to bring us like classic Miranda and hopefully doesn't work out with the Dolly Wells character. She started dating at the end of season two so that she can go on a bunch of dates. She can be kind of cynical Miranda, um, you know, open to love, but also skeptical about the people she's dating. Yeah. You know, another thing about, to your point, Shauna, about Carrie not being on board. Um, I'm, I'm sorry again to come in so hot. Mm, Carrie, a bad friend season one. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, she did lose her husband. She is grieving. Yeah, it'll make you she selfish. She is grieving, but... But say she, more, like, Annie. Charlotte's like, I think Miranda's an alcoholic, and Carrie's basically like, shut up, bitch. Like, she's, <laughs> she's not really alive. Like, who isn't? <laughs> but season two, the scene with her and Seema, where she's where Seema calls her out about the about the summer mm-hmm. house, mm-hmm. and she makes it right. I was like, I was like, okay, now Carrie's back to being someone that I can, in my sick parasocial fantasies, think that we hang out. Mm-hmm. I'm back to thinking she's a good friend. I'm kind of like hoping it returns more to that sort of yeah, slightly more supportive. Yeah. Friend. I, you're right. I think that's that is one of the reasons that Seema is so important. Like she has she has kind of like awakened that she's called Carrie out on some stuff that other people don't really seem to do. I love her. Yeah. Carrie like seems to visibly eye roll. Well, I was just going to take us to Charlotte and Harry. They are playing tennis with LTW and Herbert. Um, we have this whole Charlotte not apologizing thing. This was triggering for me as a fledgling pickleball player who's sometimes trying to socialize in that way. Same. Yeah? Wait, are you playing pickleball? I am playing pickleball. Talk to me about your game. Where are you in this journey? I started taking lessons about a year ago and I, it is, I, my husband is obsessed with pickleball. When we were talking about how will our spouses die, I thought for Matt, pickleball to the head. By the way, Annie's husband's name is Matt, listeners. Oh, yeah. But nice. it actually doesn't matter because that's also how I will go because I'm playing too. <laughs> I love it. And he goes and plays at the open play. And for me, that is humiliating because when I'm with my group of people I normally play with, I feel like, oh, I'm getting shots in. They're seeing me improve. Mm. They know my journey. They see. They see all of my pickleball journey. And then I show up to do open play and I'm just, I'm just being picked last for kickball. Oh yeah. It's absolutely traumatizing. Is this in Plummer Park? No, I I mostly go to Olive or like in the Burbank pickleball scene. I have to explore that. Check it out. There's a night pickleball now. Great. Yeah. It's uh, the same. It's very hard to be an adult and to try to take up a new act especially something physical it's so vulnerable and yeah i have the same experience i've gone to some open plays and i've let some people down let's just say that and it's really it brings out not a great color in me but when it's good god when it's good there's nothing better i i did have one humiliating experience which was that um my matt and i were in florida visiting his family and um they had some friends who are retirees, you know, retirees love pickleball. There's like a whole pickleball universe going on of course. in South, Western South Florida, um, Southwest Florida. And we 
we played with these retirees. We were kind of talking shit in the car on the way there, like whatever. And then like, I'm somebody, if I'm playing a game, let's talk shit. Let's gentle razzing. That's mm-hmm. sort of my love language. But very soon they started to be like, no, that was a good effort. Like very quickly, they started being so nice to me that that was the cruelest thing that could happen. <laughs> Just, <laughs> no, you, you, that was a great serve from you. I'm like, oh God, like I'm being pitied. I know exactly what you mean. I was, I was sort of my friend who plays Blair Beacon is really, really good and so good that I, I can't play with her that often because she, she is in another, you know, she's on another level, and so she was like, "Here are three gays you should play with because you're all about the same level." And I, I knew one of them. We played together. They're all so nice, but they were not. We were not on the same. They were all killing me. And it was humiliating. And my thing was to just try to be self-deprecating and make fun of myself every time because it was like the contrast was like glaring. We mix it up over and over again. Every single time, whoever played with me lost, there without exception, yeah, and lost badly. And so I was like, well, I have the only way that I can sort of lighten the mood is to try to like give everybody permission to make fun of me. And they weren't biting which just made it worse. They were like, is this is actually so uncomfortable that I can't even joke about how bad you are. I was like, because you're like, Oh, come on. Be like, Oh, are you still asleep? Or no, they're like, good effort, honey. Many of you will recall in the classic film, sex in the city part. That's right. Talking about the sequel. Our beloved Samantha is going through menopause. She has a whole bunch of hormones she's taken. They all get confiscated at the airport. So then they're on their trip. She's uh, eating a bunch of hummus because she thinks it's gonna alleviate the symptoms. Well, if only Samantha had access to this week's sponsor, Hormone Harmony. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women are talking about this nonstop on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. And right now you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com when you use promo code like Matt. Now, Happy Mammoth is the company that created Hormone Harmony. They're dedicated to making women's lives easier. That means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code LIKEMAT at checkout. That's H-A-P-P-M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com, promo code LIKEMAT for 15% off your first order. Oh, five. Yeah, it's terrible. Shauna, how did you feel about Charlotte's journey in this episode? All the way to quoting, who did she quote? Demi Lovato. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Demi Lovato. <laughs> Wait, I wrote it down. <laughs> um, I love Charlotte monologues. They are great in this season. They're great in season two. I love when she yells at Harry. I'm here for it. I, I, I love her journey through feminism. It's so funny to me. They're a little behind. The I mean, they would be like third wave feminists, I think. So sometimes her her stuff feels a little more like Betty for Dan than like. <laughs> I don't know that like, uh, like she's on an Instagram infographic. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I, I, I also really love the action sequence at the, I was like, where's this storyline going that we're spending so much time watching these two women playing tennis? (laughs) Like they really, uh, needed 
those minutes, I guess. Um, and then I didn't quite understand what the joke was with them playing with were seemingly older women, but probably were actually their age, like just not as Hollywood, <laughs> like in that first match. I don't know. I was like, oh, this was a, a funny reveal because I was like, it's not funny to me that these women seem slightly older, but maybe that's what it's supposed to be. But I would, I don't know. I like, I liked it. I liked their tennis outfits. I love that they seem to belong to a club that is in a womb of a spaceship mm-hmm. when they're climbing down that staircase. Do you know what the club is, Matt? Like I'm sure club? it's Chelsea Piers. Oh, okay. it's gotta be. I mean, that's where it all, all happens, right? That would not be a scene I would be part of if I was a hip New Yorker. So I take your word for it. Um, yeah, no, you I, say I was, that, but we're going to get you out on that pickleball court. I would, I would love it. Yeah. You'll find, even if it is triggering to uh, childhood athletic trauma, the endorphins overtake that. Oh, well, that's great. That's right. One of the biggest headlines of this episode is that is our first time in a just like that, where somebody other than like Stanford and Anthony, um, takes a seat at the table with the girls. Seema is drinks with the girls. She blends in. I mean, she fits in real nice. I love Seema. You know, a little surprising that she created a full dating app for Carrie without telling her. It's like something that I've like offered to do as a joke so many times for friends, but no one ever allows it because it's insane. Yeah. I mean, Carrie is fine with it. Yeah. Relieved, happy. As a writer, no way would she be fine with it. No No. way. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. She had major notes for that, for that profile, no doubt. And that's when Charlotte is like so excited that Carrie's ready to get back out there because she's like, there's a whole wave of divorced dads at school. And that gave me chills because I just look at this as a glimpse into my future 10 years from now. (laughs) No. And I'm like, the idea that a bunch of people in our community who are married will be divorced is, I know this is sounds so naive, but I, I don't have any like married couples in my, in my life where I'm like, well, it's only a matter of time for these two. I want to believe, I guess I am just a Charlotte. I want to believe that all of these are forever. Are you, are you, are you in a place where like couples are starting to fall? Couple. Yeah, like couple. You're in there. It's like, I think the stress of young children either can put a major strain on a couple or it can be like, fuck it, let's put our heads down and get through that. And then when you get through it, you're like, oh, this is actually not working. I think there's sort of like a couple different times this happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one, no one that we're very tight with. But yeah, it's happening. Shauna, is it happening for you guys? Uh, yeah, like Annie said, a couple. Um we, and, but it has got me thinking a lot. It is a kid's thing, like, or it's not always, but you really do put so much focus into this other huge, you know, wild animal in your life. And then I think you look up and don't know if you know the other person anymore. I I can see how that happens. I, it's interesting because that doesn't really come into like the Miranda storyline that much, like the talk of what actually was lost they really focus on kind of her just being so like sexually awakened and so excited and all that um yeah it was it would have been the the divorce of her and steve is obviously yeah i don't know they talk about it more in season two i guess Mm. just circle back to this is a preview into your life in 10 years matt do you imagine that in 10 years you're gonna buy la croissette pans (laughs) for an airbnb you're staying at (laughs) i hope so 
I truly hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I want that for you. Throw it away afterward or leave it there. Who gives a shit? But Matt, you're talking about all your friends getting divorced because you and Michael are, you have to stay together forever or I will. uh, Listen, I legally changed my last name. I mean, just for that reason alone, trying to go into like my, like, uh, airlines, you know, uh, frequent flyer miles and try to change my name again and deal with the DMV and everything. It's the admin. It's not worth it. The admin is not worth no. it. Naya and Andre Rashad, they learn that she is not pregnant over this text to voice thing. Then they've got the, the angry gay dad yelling at them that they almost ran over. That was the character I most related to in this episode. <laughs> Not them, but the guy that they almost. Yeah. The guy who yelled, I have a toddler. I should have looked it up because I was like. Every morning. I was like, who is this guy? Is he a friend? Is he a writer? Is he. He's given so much window, literal window yes. time. <laughs> That's a great question. We, I actually should. I'd, I'd like to do a whole episode with him. Just about his turn. I used to think I was a Samantha slash Carrie, and now I'm a Charlotte slash man who yells about toddler. (laughs) Steve and Miranda try to have sex uh, in this episode. It's pretty devastating. Sean, it sounds like you're you're especially attached to that relationship. So this must have been hard for you. That was a really hard scene for me. (laughs) I think it's just a really hard scene in general. And then afterwards, he talks about how the food smells. Yes, he should pack it. And I was like, oh, I. Oh, yeah, we're done. I, yeah. But he really wasn't given any like cheat sheet or or ups in that scene. It was like she decided this is what's happening. And he was on the phone. And yeah, it was. Yeah, he was like, it's been two years, but I, okay, I guess if this is my moment, I'll seize it. I'll wash my hands. What a sweetheart to wash. I guess she wanted to relive what happened with Che. Like maybe she was setting the same kitchen scene. Yeah, I think she was like, maybe it's not Che. Maybe this is just how I have to have this very specific set of circumstances. I I have to be in this position. Yeah, (laughs) Kitchen fingering only. Remember being 19 years old, reading Bust about kitchen fingering, you know? (laughs) Like specifically that Steve, she was like finger me. And he was like, yeah, he wasn't like fingering. Right. I was like, good for Steve. He's game. Yeah. He's game. And am I, do they imply that maybe then there was some dryness? Yeah. Was, yeah. Was, uh, really, really tough. She also is wearing like layers in a way that I'm like, you're really, he's got to get past sweaters and, you know. Yeah. He's got to really squeeze his hand down the, the waistband <laughs> and. All of and he brings up their kids. I don't know. Their son. I was just, the whole thing was badness. I do love Steve. I hope we're I hope we can somehow stay connected to him in season three, even though they're, you know, officially no longer together. I kind of wanted to see him having sex with the Whole Foods girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Pervert, or is that no, that's great. <laughs> okay. I kind of felt like to follow him. It's a bit of a rewrite. It's a bit of a reimagining of the Steve that I mean I, I understand that they could have this death valley now but they were a little hot and heavy like when they have brady's birthday party and they get back together in the original series and they definitely used to have chemistry yeah so yeah i guess i am a bit of a loyalist yeah i was kind of like if i'm gonna see che working at the vet i want to see steve having sex with the whole foods girl yeah i don't think that's too much to ask my mind started to go down to season three 
who can Steve have sex with that's already in our universe? <laughs> There's Lizette Bitsy, from downstairs. Wait, who did you say, Annie? Bitsy? Is that her name? Oh, Bitsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what if he accidentally, he, he slept with Naya and didn't, oh, he's, he meets Naya in this episode, but he could have forgotten. That's a chance meeting. Naya's sleeping with somebody. She's so excited to, she's, she's actually likes this guy. She's excited. She meets, introduces to, this is dumb. Never mind. I like it. She's like, I, I feel like I know him. Yeah, but that's how it always is in New York. You always feel like you know each other, but no, I do know him. We talked about vomiting. We talked, oh, this is another side. Did either of you see Triangle of Sadness? Yes. You saw Ashana. I walked out. I had to walk out for that. Just going back to my, you know, repulsion to vomit. I had to walk out. There's a lot of vomiting in it, Annie. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Then we go to the school fundraiser slash auction. Che does a quick set. Either of you want to weigh in on Che's comedy? We've kind of been uh, skirting that issue. You know, I listened to your Michael Patrick King episode, Matt, where Mike, where he defends Che's comedy, you know, is saying that everybody just hates comedians. And I can, I understand that. Yes, I think in real life, you know, they are constantly looking for the bit. And so sometimes you do feel victim of that a little bit, I guess. But I, and I really love the actress who plays Che. I really do. Yeah. But there's a certain, something is missing in the two. Like she's not a comic in real life. The The comedy is very like, uh, the jokes seem very entry level, sort of broad. And somewhere, the, the Venn diagram doesn't, then mm-hmm. you know for me yeah there's a sort of like insult comedy element but then yeah it, I, I just can't i can't imagine it a set in its entirety but it's not my normal it's not my normal tone of comedy that i right. prefer i mean i don't mm-hmm. mind her joke i usually what like i usually do a lot of uh, dirty materials so don't worry this is going to be three minutes or something. yeah i can see that all of funny. this work like on paper they're like great jokes and then it's just something it doesn't always try but that's so off that's that to me is so real with so many comedians like i don't hate all comedians but i hate some and they're that and they're they're successful a lot of people think that they're funny so i I, that this is gosh i should go through the entire roster for everyone who's been on homophilia and just tell you how many I do like their reveal in this episode. I like the blue suit. I like them coming through the crowd and Miranda peering over the cocktail table. Mm -hmm. That was all exciting. Were those moms trying to hook up? (laughs) They were at least curious. They were at least Mm -hmm. Jay curious, you know, if not ready to just fully kitchen finger. Auctioning off a date with Carrie. Brutal. Oh, really brutal. brutal. I don't buy that nobody would bid on this. Like I, the uh, parents, like rich parents at schools like this, are star fuckers. Everybody's gonna be super excited. And Carrie's famous. She's like a you know well known writer. And I believe that somebody would have bid. I I would have if I were a parent at that school, I would have bid. Yeah, I think if I were Carrie, I would have burst into tears. Would that yeah. help me get bid on? <laughs> and then what's his name? you know, buys Peter. the date for her, Peter, for $1,050. And he's just clearly such a nice guy. You know, I wish I liked him a little more than I do. But I guess that's kind of the point. Yeah, I, I thought they got to an organic place for a little bit of hope. Like He's, yeah. a, he's a sweet guy. Like, we know she's not going to end up with him. I thought it was 
very earned the hope. I agree. Anything else that we haven't covered from this or, or, or other episodes, just miscellaneous thoughts. You're dying to get out there. Your hottest takes. I, I think just to circle back to the buying a La Crusette for an Airbnb. I sorry. Was, Annie's referring to in season two when season Carrie two, and Aiden sorry. are staying in Chase. Yes. Sorry. Continue. They buy a La Crusette and I have dreamed and wished and scrimped and saved for any La Crusette in my home. I have scoured shopgoodwill.com for a La Crusette. Like to buy a La Crusette in New York City where you don't cook, but to buy it for an Airbnb, I'm sometimes, it's a little bit what you were talking about, Sean, about the opulence of the movies. I'm sometimes, I find, I don't know why it's it's that pot for me, but <laughs> I feel somewhat distanced by Carrie's extreme wealth. You do. It's oh, inherited, feel, right? Is yeah, that the I idea? Think, right? Because she's successful. Obviously, she's a writer and she's always been able to maintain the shoes. And But the apartment has come into question sometimes and whether she can keep it. But yeah, this blank check that she has from Big Now is it's awesome. It's changed everything. I'm very distracted by, I, I find myself tallying money spent as I'm watching the show. <laughs> oh, wow. So then Chipotle was $16. <laughs> I was so upset that they were in Chipotle. I just, I think. I never, see, I want, I just want the escapist aspirational stuff. I want the version of New York life that like I'll never have. It's always danced with the high and the low. Like when they go out to the Hamptons and they have to take the bus or whatever those. Yeah, if, yeah. If I'm, if I'm correct, if I'm remembering correctly, like they, they always flirt with like the kind of kitschy like this or, or the gray's papaya hot dogs or like it's not but they're always iconic they're always these things that seem so new york and oh we wish we wish but i can walk down the street and go to chipotle right now there's nothing about it that's any sort romantic. of fantasy or romantic and it was very upsetting to me i have to say and then that charlotte doesn't even eat it you know if we're gonna uh, get for chipotle me it was the saving face i was like thank you, charlotte for remembering who you are <laughs> Let Miranda act like an animal in here, like eating like me. I'm always thinking like production. Oh. Like, do you think they had it somewhere else and then it fell through and they were like, well, there's a Chipotle right there. I guess we could go. Let me talk to the That is, manager. I cannot believe I didn't ask my best friend, Michael Patrick King. Is there a HBO Max Chipotle, you know, there brand synergy be. arrangement? There's got to be. There must. I mean, must be. what other reason? I almost dyed my hair for this podcast, you guys, because I didn't know if it would be on. And this is just thematically <laughs> and spiritually, I felt like I needed to to represent. You know, I do always feel a little more like the I'm a Miranda Charlotte mix, I would say. Mm -hmm. That's right. I did like her return to the redhead, even though I yeah. I honor and, and appreciate that they stuck it out with that gray wig for so long wig. i mean the wigs yeah but you know but i didn't you guys I, i'm i'm scared <laughs> i'm scared of what it will begin what would you do like a bright red no no i would just dye my roots basically but you know i i'm i'm also well i'm kind of flirting all the time with like do i just let it i remember my grand i have the same hair as my grandma and she like very well if you have, if you ever get a wild hair literally you you could pull off that bright red are you are you looking at my bright red face? I don't know if I, I think I could. No, you every both of you would look gorgeous with Miranda red and any color, frankly. So would you. Thank <laughs> you so much. Any other hopes and prayers for what lies ahead in season three? Annie, would you want to talk about the Aiden of it all? Yeah, guys, I love Aiden for her. I 
I love him for her. I think he grounds her except when they're buying a whole kitchen set for an Airbnb. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I do feel like she could end up with him in five years, but I'm excited to see her explore what dating is like now. I I have no concept of what dating is like in New York for a woman in her fifties. No idea. I would love to see it explored more now that they've sort of, they've, they've done all the fan service they need to do. She was sad about big for those of, for those people who did not hate him the whole time. And they re-explored Aiden for the freaks like me who needed that to happen. And now I'm ready to see what else is out there for her. I agree. I wouldn't mind a return of Burger. That's uh, what I've been keep, saying. If we're going to keep those hits coming back. Um, or David Duchovny. Don't remember his character mm-hmm. name, but really loved that episode. I really love John Corbett this season. I thought their chemistry was so good, like better now than I remember being thinking it was in the original, although I think it was always good. It was always there. And, you know, I know you haven't seen the movies, but they have a little moment in Sex and the City Part Two, a very divisive film. But one of the greatest moments is when they meet, they run into each other in a market in Abu Dhabi. And oof, he's super like you can, do. Like you do. Um, and yeah, they, they just, there's something, there's something with Aiden. I love it. As we've talked way too much about tables, this, um, podcast, but I am very excited about Carrie's new dwelling. I, I will miss yeah. her old apartment, but man, oh man, I cannot wait for that whole set. Yeah. But just to circle back to Carrie's finances <laughs> as a woman with means, why would she sell that apartment? Why would she not keep it and rent it to that woman who had been subletting the, wasn't she subletting? How did Carrie even know her neighbor was able to afford to buy a New York apartment? It's a good question. And she, yeah, and they, they made a point of letting us know that she sold it to her for much, a loss. Uh, for, for, yeah, she, she took a loss on it, but I guess she wanted her to own it. She Spiritual wanted to give the, her that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, who's her financial advisor? This is a good I question. I have so many questions for about just, is her accountant just constantly like, what is happening? <laughs> Annie, that's a great episode for next season. Her accountant calls her, what is happening? And then he And then she up, dates that accountant. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> great. I, I will say I love the throwaway line that Aiden is now wealthy because he sold his line to West Elm. <laughs> just, just that, hey, we know you know West Elm. <laughs> and good for him. God bless, you know. I mean, God bless. And God bless you both. You know, this episode is all about giving us a glimmer of hope. And both of you have done that. Um, Your strength as widows carry on in this (laughs) life. Uh, No, thank you both. I would never find my husband on the Peloton, though. That would never be. (laughs) (laughs) That's why he's going to be with us for a very long time. Exactly. And Just Like Matt is a WOW Podcasts production created and hosted by me, Matt McConkey. Our executive producer is Renee Colbert. If you've got a burning question about a relationship or friendship problem, or really anything Sex and the City adjacent, just record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us at andjustlikematt at gmail.com, and I'll answer your question on the show with my very fancy guests. <laughs>